0: Hey School Success Makers, today we're joined by Ian, who is the Executive Director of his school over in beautiful California. We dive into a ton, including how they've navigated COVID, as well as had more parent participation since COVID, and we have a blast doing it, so stay tuned for the next episode of the School Success Podcast. Well, hello everybody, and welcome to another edition of the School Success Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Slater. I'm joined by a new friend out of California, Ian McFeet, who is Executive Director, Superintendent of Avison School Charter School in California. He's kicking butt. He's taking names. He's got a ton of stuff going on. They got kindergarten all the way up to high school. I think it's three different schools. I'll let him dive into all of that. What we're going to learn from him today. So I'll pass it off to Ian. Ian, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it's like in the day of Ian.
1: Oh well, just you know, thank you, thank you, Mitchell, uh, for for having me on the podcast. We are, you know, I, I think we are getting it done. Um, COVID has, has certainly kind of thrown a wrench in I think most plans for, for uh, human beings across the world and schools are no different. I think, um, you know, really to call us frontline workers, I think is, is definitely true, especially for our teachers. We call our teachers advisors at Avison. So we call them advisors. So for our advisors, they've been, they've been really doing amazing, amazing things for our school community. So, um, but there's a lot. There's a lot to you know, kind of unpack. I think COVID's been been a, a struggle. Um, I mean, just logistically, right? How do you open? How do you get schools, uh, you know, safe? How do you have students safe in their classrooms? Um, everything from masks and mask wearing and mask wearing policies to um, you know, what sort of filters do you have in the classrooms? To what sort of testing policy do you have? And I'm not talking about, you know, the ABCs or, or mathematics uh, testing for COVID, <laughs> um, you know, how do you, how do you actually test and make sure that everybody in the school community is safe? So I think um, there's a lot to kind of wrap your mind around, especially now, and, um, and our, our schools have been doing a great job. We have, we have a pre-K up through um, sixth, or excuse me, fifth grade elementary campus, we have a sixth grade through 12th grade middle and high school campus, and then we have our independent studies program. So that's actually <clears throat> something we had pre-COVID where, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's a homeschool program, but it's actually a little bit more complicated. We we um, bring those students onto campus um, usually two times a week during COVID. We've done it once, uh, once a week. and. Um, families actually are, are able to kind of create and co-create curriculum and do some of those pieces, but they're guided by our instructors in that program. So it's really a unique hybrid. And we were doing that, <clears throat> excuse me, we were doing that ahead of, of COVID. <clears throat> and I think, um, you know, during COVID, that's been a really nice option for some families. <clears throat> excuse yeah. me.
0: Well, I was homeschooled my whole life. So I obviously can relate to, to those kids that are in that program. And uh, I grew up in Alaska with homeschooling. So Alaska is super unique for the homeschooling community where you're still a part of a school that, well, you can do it obviously independent, but you can be a part of a school and actually go to the school to take a class if you really want to, or be home all the time. So I kind of relate with that program you're mentioning. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. So I'm assuming with the three, does that mean you have three three, I mean, well, homeschool is, is homeschool, but do you have two separate locations completely opposite from each other? Or are they on the same campus?
1: They, they <clears throat> The school has been around for about 15 years. Um, uh, and um, it, originally it was on one campus, but now it's on, on two separate campuses. And we are right up against the foothills of Altadena. So if folks don't really know where Altadena is, it's unincorporated Los Angeles County, but it's Pasadena's Hat, which is really not the way to describe Altadena. For Altadenans, they would, they would hate that I even said that. Um, <clears throat> Altadena is kind of a, an eclectic uh, place, but it's right up against the San Gabriel Mountains and Angel's National Forest. Um, uh, San Andreas Fault is right above us, um, so we are, we are right right there. So If
0: there's a humongous earthquake, are you guys going to be on the part that shifts away from California or the one that stays a part of the United States?
1: We might be holding on uh, to to some of the you know granite as it's being you know I, I you know I I don't know um, they've had some pretty big earthquakes I was actually reading about the the '94 quake um, and there was quite a bit of damage in Altadena during that time um, but the the schools themselves are are situated right up against the the mountains in fact we you know we really we really do a lot about outdoor learning and outdoor play, especially at the elementary, um, early grade levels. And I mean, we have at the elementary campus, we have chickens and they, they've just laid their eggs and we have this whole permaculture um, program that we've we've actually created that our advisors have created and kind of revitalized this year uh, during the pandemic, which I think has kind of served as a metaphor for the kind of work that we're doing. I mean, we've planted a lot of seeds about you know different programs that we're trying to Cultivate, and I think we're going to start to see those come to fruition um, very fairly soon. At the high school level, we're partnering with the Zorthian Ranch, which has a storied, a storied history. So, you know, kind of with those two programs, we're really looking at some, you know, some outdoor learning, environmental sustainability, learning about how to care for the environment, learning how to cultivate land, agriculture, and all those pieces. And partnering with the ranch is one of those pieces for set, you know, sixth through 12th grade that I think is really quite remarkable and uh, not a lot of public schools are doing it. So we've applied for some grants, um, you know, because you always need funding during this time and we'll see how that goes at the high school level. We also have some interesting programs around, um, you know, uh, performing arts. Okay. So for those kind of two areas, we really, that's kind of the, those are some of the new initiatives, but to talk about our programs kind of their history we we began with what we call personalized mastery learning so um i don't know i i know your podcast is all about school success and and what schools can do but i think we've been doing some some really unique things for for over a decade now and that personalized mastery learning piece i think is really what sets us apart And so I wouldn't want to say, you know, here are all our new programs and all the great things we're doing and, you know, that are that are new and innovative. Um, But sometimes innovation means a look towards the things that make you unique. Mm -hmm. And so for us, that that personalized mastery learning piece has been really important. And I could dive into that. You know, there's there's lots of different avenues we can go and talk about. But
0: one I want to go back to, I love that you guys are doing the the agriculture and the the chickens and all that. And the random question that popped in my head when I heard that, I was like, I love that. Who takes care of that in the summer when all the teachers are off and the kids are off for the summer, what what happens with the chickens and all the, the crops?
1: Yeah, we, we actually, um, pay some advisors year round to make sure that that that's sustained. And, um, it was interesting. So before my, um, before coming to Avison, um, during the pandemic when everything shut down in 2020 the the garden was thriving i mean it was you know and i didn't know this because um, i wasn't here and and then the pandemic happened and everybody went home and then it lay fallow for i don't know seven months or something and uh, you know then it was like it was too late to come back right so kind of had to restart and re- reboot and uh, as i look at well, what does that, what does that actually mean for us right now? We've had, we've got a lot of uh, advisors who've been who've been coming and families who've been coming uh, and doing work on the weekends. And so we have we have what's called action teams. We don't, you know, we're we're definitely a unique school system in that, you know, committees are great. You know, there people get into a committee and then it's a lot of talking and not a lot of action. So we have action teams, and. If you're a parent in our school and you really want to make a difference in a particular way you just get permission from an administrator and you just make it happen so we have a garden action team and our advisors have met with with parents and they've just been digging in the earth and making things happen for the Mm. school so it's pretty pretty fun i love that
0: it reminded me of like i grew up in church my whole life was a youth pastor when i lived up in alaska and i one of the things we always said the typical church was you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Would you say that Mm -hmm. that something like that is similar typically, not calling out Avison parents or anything, but would you say that's typical in schools that, you know, 20% of the parents are volunteering and doing 80% of the things really needed when we need more parents to step up and to do more volunteer work and to come and help out?
1: I'd say that's typical of most schools. Of Avison, we'll we'll talk pre-pandemic, it was all hands on deck. And I, and I think that that's what really why the school took off and why there was such positive energy. It's, it's the more folks you can get involved, the better. And I think evidence this year, we, we had a, an annual fund campaign, you know, and I think schools always need resources. Um, and historically, year over year, we've raised, you know, you know, quite a bit of money for different programming. And um, we, but we only had 45% of our families giving And, uh, by December of this year, we had three quarters, 75% of our families had given to the annual fund. And I think we're going to probably approach close to a hundred percent, um, in about a month's time, which is, that's really exciting because you think now there's an investment right in the future of the school. And I think our team has done a great job, our annual fund team, which is really led by parents. So, you know, there's been just a, a great energy. And I think it, um, it's definitely higher than 20%. Um, the restrictions we have on COVID are really the only thing they're holding, holding our parents back from, from being on campus.
0: Hmm. I, well, it sounds like that was a huge culture shift that you guys have had then in the last year or two, which is awesome. Like you're, I think they're around other parents who are probably openly talking about it and the, whatever the, from the top down, I'm, I'm assuming they're very happy with the leadership and the teachers that they're Uh, The kids are around all day long, so I'm sure it's just been a huge culture shift in the last couple of years and people have been wanting to help out since COVID, it sounds like, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, a huge push for us too, and I think this is what's really grounded the school and made it a a unique place, has been our work around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And a lot of schools talk about that. It's kind of, you know, um, in vogue, to talk about DEI plans and these kinds of things, but um, for Avison, it's a part of our curriculum uh, in real and meaningful ways, and that begins at the elementary level, where students actually see themselves reflected in the work that they're that they're doing, um, that represents their cultures, rep- represents their backgrounds, and I think that we've seen really powerful things from that. Um, we have a George Floyd Library here at the elementary campus. We we have um, you know, families have ways of engaging with the school, with affinity groups, um, and and we really honor, you know, the, the diverse background of, of every family, um, unique families, families that are non-traditional. We, we really um, welcome them with open arms and um, and they've, you know, kind of emboldened our, our, uh, our purpose and our mission, and I think, um, and that's because we we're, we're not sitting in judgment and, and any of these things in fact we we really sit in partnership with folks um to make them feel comfortable and so i think that's you know somebody was mentioning to me it's more like a community school than anything and i, I actually do believe that that's that's starting to become the case
0: i love that well obviously being high up in the school like you are you guys you probably know more about them than than others that there are there's pain points, there's challenges that you guys face as a school. If and I, t- and I ask everybody this, if, if you were to put them into three, if you somehow could put them down to three, what would you say the three challenges or pain points that you guys kind of consistently or are currently dealing with as, as a school?
1: Well, you know, I think a big pain point, we're, we're a charter district. Um, and one of the big kind of pieces for charters is um, has been enrollment, and in particular, because we're funded by the state. You know, a big pain point for us is, um, uh, in in the state of California, you probably know this, but um, for public institutions, your average daily attendance is how you actually um, get funding. So uh, an example would be, you have 100 students, let's say, if only 96% of them show up for the year, you get 96% funding. Uh, which is really difficult, but imagine you're in a pandemic. So in a pandemic, you have to send people home, right? If they have COVID or if they have symptoms or if they've been exposed, right? And you're forced to send them home and you can't provide for them the same sort of education. And then on top of that, there for for school districts, it's been a little bit different. They've had a hold harmless clause that's, that's existed where their ADA has been allowed to, they've, they've allowed their average daily attendance to be, um, you know, prior year numbers, right? So for us this year, um, our, our number is what it is. So we've had a number of folks either leave the state of California or, you know, leave programming because they don't really want their kids to return to school. And for charter districts, that's really been, we've, we felt the brunt of that because we've had lower attendance and then on top of that we've had to send kids home for you know different different sorts of things or parents have just kept their kids home and so there's kind of this uh, funding cliff that i think we approach this year that districts you know school districts will be approaching next year and you know that that makes it difficult um you know especially at a time when parents really want more programming right they want more offerings and so um yeah i think covid is responsible for that, right? So I think that that's been, that's been the big uh, pain point, and I, I would say that COVID and COVID and maybe even COVID are the three top, uh, the three top areas uh, to to really focus on. Everything else, you know, we've done before. We've done we've done you know after school programming. Uh, we've done uh, summer school programming. We've done um, you know enrichment activities. You know we've done uh, we've even done, um, performing arts before in the past. And so all the programming that we are bringing, you know, a lot of these outdoor activities, all those pieces, um, those educators can do really well. But then when you couple that with all of the constraints of, of, you know, the virus, I think it just makes it really difficult. And, um, and our advisors are doing the greatest, greatest job and they are staying in there and, um, You know i I think most of these things uh, are related to COVID. i'll I'll tell you another one um you know staffing's really tough finding substitutes Um, if you have a staff member who's who's sick and needs to quarantine for 10 days uh, now you have to find a substitute and they are in short supply so if if there are folks out there who are thinking about going into education you want to be a part of a a powerful organization um, you really will have the pick of the litter you can you can uh really um, write your own write your own story now. And I think, you know, also what an opportunity. Um, the state of California is providing Golden State teacher grants for educators or uh, prospective educators. So you can get a large chunk of your tuition covered now. I mean, there's never been a better time to enter the profession uh, than now because I think there's been exodus. I, I was reading a New York Times article about um, a few folks leaving the profession of education and going into the business sector um, because educators can multi multitask and they know how to deal with stressful situations and you know um, if you can teach you know fourth graders how to how to read or to do some mathematics i think you could probably do anything in the world right
0: do you feel like with y'all's position being a charter school that you have more freedom in a way i know you're obviously still have to You're held by state of California law, just like other public schools, but being a charter, do you guys have a little bit more say or more freedom to do things a little different when it comes to maybe how you handle COVID protocols again and the touchy subject but you're dealing with COVID? Can you approach it in a different way than a typical just public school down the road from you guys can?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think that we're, the answer is yes and no. Um, public institutions in the state of California are going to have to follow what the governor says and and- also, county guidelines. Like, we can't just go rogue and kind of do our own thing. It uh, doesn't, doesn't quite work that way, especially when you receive public funds. So, you need to follow public mandates. And, and quite honestly, I think those are good. Um, if anything, you know, we've been more cautious and, um, you know, in terms of mandates and other things, I think we've also been, you know, just more stringent in regards to our policies than what we see at the county level. And so that does give us a lot more flexibility. Um, we're nimble in the sense that you know, we're small and, and we're not this large behemoth. So for districts, you know, sometimes it's really difficult to turn on a dime and do different things. For us, like you know, I'll, I'll give you an example, in October, um, there was a need in our larger school community, even just in Altadena, for there to be um, you know, places for folks to get vaccinated. So we opened up our schools every weekend from October all the way through actually last weekend was I think officially our last weekend of doing vaccination clinics, although we might continue here in February um, every week. And we vaccinated something like 1800 over 1800 wow. people, um, which is which is pretty remarkable because, you know, Altadena is not huge. Right. So, you know, it really has allowed us to help and give back to the community and you know those are just a couple examples and then you know we've we've been really on top of our masks and, and making sure that you know kids are wearing can 95s or can 94s or whatever the N95 mask we try to get them the best quality masks and um, yeah so we are we are a public institution but i think um, you know kind of to answer your question more directly i think that charters are unique in that they for many for many folks, you can look to them as almost like incubators, right? So, you know, we, we test out, and try new things, and we're not we're not shy about that, and we're we're okay to fail. If we fail at something, you know, that just taught us five or six things that we need to do differently next time. Um, at the high school level, um, this isn't a failure, but we have the. Uh, a, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, we actually have an apprenticeship program that we just began, and uh, students are actually working with rocket scientists now um, to kind of just learn the ins and outs of, of engineering. Uh, they're working with robots, and actually the, the project has them learning how to program robots and you know, have them do various activities you know, over the internet, so actually you know, over miles and miles from, the, from remote locations. So, you know, how remote control cars are kind of cool, but you have to send the signal and you have to be in range. I think this is the kind of thing that we see with like the Mars Rover um, and that our students will really have a front seat too. So that's an exciting program too. But um, districts don't have that same flexibility, I think sometimes because um, it's just harder to get into, it's just harder to get into these kinds of things, um, you know, if, if you're big, okay. right? And we're not. We're you know, seven hundred okay. students.
0: Obviously, um, everybody I talk to, we talk about the challenges because again, every school's got some type of challenge they're going through. But we also got some wins. Things you guys are doing awesome and kicking butt in. I love hearing what what those are. So for you, if you were to, again put it into a th- three, if you can, what are the things that you guys are specifically you you think just kicking butt at?
1: Well, I think I think everything that we're doing around our challenges, we're doing really well. So you know, if we're talking about um, student safety, I think that we are we are providing the, some of the best protocols, we have students spending the vast majority of their time, at least at, especially at the elementary level outside, and, and so learning outside, so that safe space of, you know, not being inside a classroom with, with all of the, uh, you know, potential, you know, contamination, all the things that we're talking about with COVID, I think that that's, you know, that's been a huge, you uh, a huge thing for us. Our faculty has been flexible. I'll I'll tell you, the flexibility of our faculty and our community, our school community, um, has been something that that is, you know, quite remarkable. Um, You know, our, and also just, I think, getting back to our core, you know, that personalized mastery learning is something that I think we are really honing in on. We've actually, done a lot of work with teachers development group which is a mathematics uh, organization and so we're really focused on that work this year and i have to tell you uh, some of the some of the pedagogical moves that our teachers that our advisors we call them are are engaged in are really exciting um, and that's something that i think um, will, will help us for years to come so you know, those are three areas i could probably give you 300 but um, and, it, and it's really all, all dependent upon uh, advisors. You know, I think, um, and and our instructional assistants. We we really place a high premium on um, getting our class sizes to really low and manageable numbers, and we have some of the lowest you know teacher-student rate ratios in in the area um, because we really value um, adults who are trained and know what they're doing and working with kids students directly. So. Um, yeah, and there's there's just a great energy. I think um, our front office staff, if you could give you know medals of uh, you know achievement, they they are doing it. I mean, from contact tracing to you know all the things that we we really just never had to do in education um, to just the regular basic things like how do you operate a movie night in a pandemic? Uh, we did movie nights you know all summer long uh, during the pandemic, and we kept everybody safe. Um, and we have outdoor space to do it, um, which is a real benefit for us. And, you know, in Southern California, it's nice, right? I mean, it's different than some other parts of the country where you can't, can't have kids out in the freezing cold, right? Like where you're from in Chicago, you can't have, can't have kids outside in the dead of winter, um, and, and probably not get calls about, uh, you know, child abuse. So that, that's, you know, Southern California helps with the For weather.
0: sure. And. Uh, my dad's from Chicago, good old Bears. I was from Alaska, so I mean, same difference. Chicago, Alaska. But well, you can't have movie nights outside in Alaska <laughs> in the wintertime typically, unless you're in your car. <laughs> but uh, the uh, so I love that. So you guys, are, you have these challenges. You you guys are overcoming these challenges. You got a, an awesome, again, sounds like staff that are ready for any challenge. The challenge that you guys have up against you. Uh, if as we kind of close out the the podcast episode today, if you were to leave everybody with any type of encouragement, inspiration, or any type of last thing you were like, I'd love to share this with any of the school leaders that are listening. And what would that be?
1: Well, you know, we give, we give a lot of school tours, um, for families. And I think, um, one of the pieces around public institutions that I think they could do a better job of, um, and I think charters have it down because, you know, with enrollment for charter schools. Um, it's it's part of a lotter, lottery, right? So folks come and they do tours, and it's you know then they put in for a lottery, and then if their name's drawn, then they they enter into the, the charter. At least in California, that's how it works. Um, and we've been doing a lot of school tours, and you know I've worked in the public, you know district sector. I've worked in the private sector uh, in education. Now I've worked in kind of whatever you call, uh, charters, which operate in the public, but they're kind of a, a hybrid. Um, I actually think that um, school tours are something that really allow you to showcase your school and that I think um, allow folks to kind of internalize the messaging and, and kind of the branding that, that you want to put forward. Um, and I think it's important for school leaders to just re- be really mindful of that and, you know, especially for public institutions to engage in those in real and meaningful ways. And if you can have your advisors be the ones. Uh, who, who do it? Um, I think even better at our high school level. We've had students do it, and they do a much better job than uh, than you know you know the the dull brains of adults like me. And um, and you know, I think we were at a tour. I was I was kind of walking around with um, some school families just recently, and one of them made a comment that this was the first time in a tour that they felt seen, and they feel like their child. Um, will be connected to the wow. school. and I thought that is just, that's that's great for us. And I thought, wow, okay, you know, for other folks, this is the top thing, this is the, really the top thing. You know, if you can have students yeah. feel connected uh, and, and families feel connected, then you're really on the right path for your school. So that, that really needs to be where you focus a lot of your time and energy. And um, thank goodness we have great advisors who did a great job. And the mother was crying, the mother was crying because she, know she felt like she had found the space for her daughter it was just an amazing moment but I thought we want those moments for for other schools too we want them for the local schools around here as well as ours Um, and I think that's where you know the more that you can connect with folks the more that you can really find out what 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 they're looking for the more you can really you know, help them find that in your school. Man, so.
0: That's when you have one of those moments, I'm assuming, where you're like, this is why I do what I do and how I why I right. lead the school the way I do to build that culture, to have moments just like that one, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if I can get out of the way, all the better. So it's not about me getting in front. I think our advisors did, you know, honestly, uh, a better job than than any administrator. So Man,
0: I love it. Well, Ian, it's been an absolute honor and a privilege to, to interview you and hear from you and what you're doing at your school. I wanna do just a big thank you to you and all your your school leaders at your school for pouring into that next generation. I, I love kids, I love that we need to be pouring into them to have a great future for the world and America and all that stuff. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for taking some time to be on the podcast today.
1: No, thank you, Mitchell. And you know, sorry to say that you're from Chicago. I, I know that you're a Chicago Bears fan. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't know I di- I didn't know exactly was that when you were uh, very young, you were there. I knew you' were, you know you, you would say that you're from Alaska. Um, but uh, no, thank you for what you're doing because honestly, this is how people get the word out about great things in education is is by listening to listening to one another and stealing ideas. Um, and some of the best thieves uh, in the world are educators. so hopefully they can steal some.
0: for sure. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Well, another huge shout out and a thank you to Ian for taking time and being on the podcast today. I had a blast with him. And those don't know, we actually talked for like 15, 20 minutes before we started recording all about football and sports. And that could have gone on for hours because we both love sports. But again, I wish him and his school nothing but the best. And as always, I hope you guys were able to take at least one thing from today's episode that you can take back to your school to make it better than it is right now. And if you have any questions, you can reach us online at schoolsuccessmakers.com we would love to hear from you. We'll be here next week as always with another awesome guest on the School Success Podcast. We'll see you then.